0: Well, good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast for Time Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is B R N AM for Tuesday, September 13th, 20. 22. And our top story today: Schools may pose unique challenges for children on the autism spectrum. Bojana, thank you so much for joining us. Good
1: morning in
0: Australia, and thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I'm very excited about having this conversation about autism. Absolutely, and I, I think this
0: is this is something that I, I love talking about because I think we need to inform as many people about autism and how to work with those in our society who are autistic. So, let me just start with the baseline. For those who may not be aware, what is autism? How do you define it? What it, you know, what yes. for someone who doesn't know what
1: it is, what is it? Well, the interesting thing about autism is that the definition of autism has actually evolved across time and it continues to evolve. So even though it's listed in the DSM-5, which is the um, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, it's actually not considered to be a disorder. So it's a neurological condition that has a genetic cause and it's impacted by a lot of factors that we are still in the process of discovering. So the research in this field is quite new And the diagnosis first appeared, when you think about it, in the 80s. It hasn't been that long ago. So currently, the way we think about autism is that it is a neurobiological condition caused by genetic, impacted by a lot of variables, which we're still discovering, things like um, paternal age, um, inflammatory conditions, it could be chemicals, but it's really important to have that genetic foundation. Without that genetic foundation, those variables by themselves don't cause autism, so to speak. It's a unique combination which we're still discovering. And it's basically, because we don't know the biological um, background, we don't understand the key factors. We cannot um, establish uh, autism just based on biology. We're looking for behaviors in the process of diagnosis. So the two classifications which the DSM-5 looks at are the social and communication impairment and restricted behaviours and interests. And there's a lot of sensory underlying factors that impact on the restricted behaviours and interests. So we're looking at the two clusters. We're looking at social and communication impairments, so to speak, but we'd like to see that as you know, neurodiverse, like, you know, people on the autism spectrum do the social and communication differently, and it's good to be aware of that. And they've got a tendency towards some um, restricted interests and behaviours, and sensory is also a very important component of being on the autism spectrum. And and when you
0: look at the population, and yes. I know you're in Australia, I'm in the United States, yes. Yes. Um, is there an estimate about how many people have... This diagnosis, or maybe they—they're not even diagnosed. Yes. So how many people? No. I, I don't want to say afflicted because I don't see it as a disease. I see it as—I right. see it as—it's just yes. who they are. So I, yes. I'm having a hard time classifying it. But but how many? Yes. How many pe- people? What percentage of the population has this so-called diagnosis?
1: Yes. So um, from what I've looked at recently, I believe it's about one in seventy to hundred people so i think it's actually quite common and recently because we are more familiar with the diagnosis our diagnostic tools are getting more refined we can we can pick it up earlier and we have more refined tools to be able to diagnose it so the prevalence seems to be higher than in the past but that's not because the autism Rates are going up, or anything like that. It's just because we're better at detecting it, and people—the yep. awareness is growing in the society, in the community. So more people are presenting to get diagnosed as well. So and, and I, that's also changing. The, yeah, the, yeah.
0: I, and, I mean, we're learning, change. right? I mean, that's the yes. part of science—is you're learning about mm-hmm. this and how to diagnose it, and so it makes yes. sense that it's kind of a moving, moving percentage. Uh, and and yeah. there are people in our societies that maybe didn't go diagnosed and maybe they're adults with autism and they're just finding this out. And I have to think uh, there's a percentage of people there and that might be kind of shocking uh, to them if you're finding this out. Maybe they kind of knew or or their parents knew, but there are people who have gone non-diagnosed for a
1: period of time. Yes, I think some people, um, the characteristics of autism change according to the environment. So sometimes people can sail through a particular stage of life. Um, for example, preschool where there's not that many demands. So they can manage to get by, and then they might have more problems in primary school where there's more social demands and Um, you know, the the social interactions are more complicated, and you have to be really, you know, the theory of mind, you need more understanding about how people think, and the games are getting more sophisticated, and the communication is getting sophisticated, and that's where people will notice that, you know, the child is struggling, and that might start off the assessment process. Same thing with adults, they might notice that, you know, they're having some challenges in relationships, and that's Something that might flag the symptoms or often, um, as it was in my case, you might have children and the children get diagnosed. And then the more you start learning about autism, the more you realized, oh, yeah, maybe my partner has some characteristics as well. And it's become more clearer. So absolutely for a lot of people, a lot of people feel just from what I uh, from what I experience with my clients, a lot of people um, sometimes mention difficulties um, with social interactions they felt that they experienced the world differently that they processed information differently that the social relationships were different so having a diagnosis is often very comforting gives them just that sense of understanding and the sense of support and identity so it can also be a, a really, a wonderful process just of self discovery and getting to know more and for things to make sense finally that you've been experiencing all your life.
0: Uh, la- last question before we go to a commercial break. Yes. I want to ask you, um, yes. let's just take uh, children. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what, what is available to parents today? And, and you, you said, I mean, it was, this was first diagnosed in the 1980s, that's look, that's 40 years ago. I mean, that is a yes. long, that's four decades. So the therapies, I don't even want to call it therapies, but the, the, the approaches to working with these children to help them learn and improve, they've obviously become more readily available for parents. Absolutely.
1: So I think it's really important to acknowledge that there is a lot of information out there when you Google autism, and it can be quite overwhelming for parents. So this area is not that it's not that old. There's actually the research in a lot of ways is still budding. When I was doing my article about self-esteem, I was shocked to find how little information there was about autism and self-esteem, or autism and mindfulness. This is a very new area. So I think it's extremely important for parents to The best way to go is always to go to your national body or research center because there's a lot of conflicting information based on anecdotal evidence. There's a lot of fads that might not always be research-based, even though they might be popular. So there's a lot of, and autism is very heterogeneous. That means everyone will be presenting very differently. And you're right, it's very important to just, be really familiar on what is evidence-based and what's even advertised out there, but it it doesn't have, it lacks that empirical evidence. So the the best place to go is to go to your national body um, for autism and have a look, go through that process.
0: Yeah, Uh, Bojena, I need to take a very quick break, but Uh when we come back, I wanna talk about education and what parents need to help their autistic children learn in a better better way. We're going to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. At Empower, we help you open doors to get you ready for everything that lies ahead because your financial wellness is what matters most. Behind every door is an opportunity to save for life's moments. So proud of you. These are your goals and it's time to help get you there. We've been opening doors for more than 17 million customers across America, as they say for the future they want. We are empowered, and we're ready to open some doors for you. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you over 50? Would you like to get up to 33% more income in retirement? Then call now for this free book, Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers. This free book reveals little-known secrets about annuity strategies that will help you make the right choices before buying an annuity. Call right now for your free book. And as a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report, both absolutely free, for calling Annuity General today. Call 800-504-8194. Bojana, well, thanks you so much for staying with us this morning.
1: Thank you. It's great to be back.
0: Yeah, this is a great conversation. I think we're, we're doing a lot for awareness, and education. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about uh, educating uh, children. Let's focus on children and talk about the education system and what the education system, what should they be doing, whether you're there in Australia, you're here in the States, you're in Europe or some other country. What do the educational systems need to do to uh, work with children who ha- are diagnosed with autism?
1: Yes, Jeff. So I think what's really important is that awareness and having right information. Because what research actually shows us that even though you might be a therapist, and I can really relate to it, I'm a psychologist by training. I keep educating myself every year. I've done my studies at the time of the DSM-IV, and I haven't learned much about autism at all. And that's, you know, following a master's program, following supervisions. It's, it's an area that is little known. So research is showing that even though you're a therapist, a speech therapist, OT, a psychologist, it doesn't actually mean that you're automatically aware of autism and the evidence-based therapies that are actually effective. So I think what's happening even in today's day and time, there's a lot of therapies and resources being misused so the information, checking with, checking in with your autism main body in your state, um, training, getting some information, looking at the latest facts and figures, getting up to date with what the um, evidence shows is effective. And when we had our little conversation before the break, we spoke about behaviour therapy, and that is actually the golden standard for autism. So anything based on... ABA, and there's a lot of different understandings and opinions and feelings about it That's applied behaviour analysis, but it's those behaviour principles is looking at the person and what the needs are and how they interact with the environment and what the environment can do to support them and understand the needs and encourage positive functional behaviour that can help them in their lives. It's not about getting rid of autism. It's not about changing who they are. It's just about helping them to cope in the world and, you know, to reach the potential.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I agree. You, can't, you can't change who people are. No. They're, they're born this way, but you can relate to them in a way that makes them comfortable and makes you comfortable. Uh, in terms of teachers, let's talk about teachers for a couple of minutes. Um, what, what do they need to do uh, I, I would think, and I, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm just going to ask yes. you these questions. Uh, first of all, they need to be able to identify and work with, or not identify, but work with, be prepared to work with these children, give a little bit more extra effort. But I would also think that working with the rest of the class to relate to the individuals that, that are diagnosed with, it, with autism.
1: So every child on the spectrum is different. So even though someone might have an experience working with children on the spectrum in the past, I think we have to approach every child like with fresh eyes. It's very important also to include the family and to find out what the needs are. Sometimes little adjustments can go a long way. And for every child, that's going to look differently. So some children might need, you know, the classic to break up tasks. Usually children on the spectrum in general have weak auditory processing. So they're gonna have behaviors which might seem often they're labeled as delinquent or problematic. And often I think teachers try to discipline children. And really it's just, it's good to have that appreciation that they do have special needs. They do process auditory information differently. So they might have troubles with concentrating or keeping on task. They might need to have things broken down one task at a time. They might benefit from movement breaks. So the sensory system is just right to help them to concentrate. And that's gonna look different from different children. So for my son, he likes um, heavy body work. So, you know, doing crab walks or doing some lifting of classroom equipment Little things can make a big difference. So working with a therapist, just I think it's just that attitude of open-mindedness. It doesn't have to be big changes. It can just be being aware and making little tweaks can go a long way. And changes in the environment can be as simple as expectations. Just lowering the expectations, making sure that the child is not evaluated based on how the child is doing according to the norm. And then you know, looking at it as dysfunction or if they deviate from the norm, but being able to assess them based on their own potential, their own needs, little things like that can make a long way.
0: Yeah, I mean, the reality is is that we all all of us we're all individuals and we all learn at different speeds and we all learn yes. in different ways. And this is this is no different. In the the last question I have for you, Bojina is let's take a look at what does the future of autism research look like? Uh, Where are we going? Do you think that uh, in our lifetime, um, we will get to a place where we can map how this occurs, uh, for lack of a better term, in people? What does the research look like? What's the path?
1: Yes. Well, I think the exciting development is that There's more emphasis being placed on the experience of autistic individuals and the families in research directions. So I think the society in general is becoming more aware and more accepting of neurodiversity. So even what we spoke before in terms of the school system, there's more awareness of different children's needs. And that's really shaping. So the society is becoming more accepting, and the research is more inclusive of neurodiverse perspectives. And obviously, there's very exciting developments all the time in genetics, in in the theory of mind, in the different autism characteristics, and the role of biology. So hope, I, I'm, I'm hoping that with over time, the research will be more clear about. You know, the relationship between the genetics and the causes, and how to support children and people on the autism spectrum to live lives full of, you know, to the best potential and to the optimal health, as well as being considerate of their perspectives. So just as we expecting the people on the spectrum to fit into our world, and and they do that every day, and it it it's, it takes a lot of energy and effort, and you know there's a lot of masking, and there's just so much that they go through. I think the tables are turning, and now we are becoming more aware of what they need, and we are more understanding. So hopefully that will make it more easier. So we're we're having more dialogue and understanding to make the society a better inclusive, more neurodiverse place for everyone.
0: Yeah, very well said. Well, Bojina, not enough time on the show to devote to a very important topic, but we thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much for your time, Jeff. I really appreciate being a part of raising awareness about autism. Thank you for having me.
0: And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle wellness, finance tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, We'll visit our website, and of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for a very special edition of BRNAM. You're not going to want to miss it. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.